Welcome to another episode of the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, it's your host, Brandon. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, friend of the podcast and fellow football content creator, Simon Short. You probably know Simon Short from the Phantom Football Podcast and also the Simon Short Podcast if you've been listening to us on the Phantom Sports Network for a while. Simon's a good friend of mine. Um, We oftentimes bounce ideas at least about um the nfl and things that are going on in the league off each other and it's been a long time coming i should have had him on the pot a while ago so um that's my bad simon i'm not gonna lie but it's just sometimes difficult finding the right people and obviously with simon's schedule with the football podcast and his own personal podcast it is sometimes difficult i've always been able to have more time to go on his podcast than he was able to come on mine but since we're in the off-season mode OTAs, great time to just talk about it. So essentially what we did, um, I kind of left it open-ended and we were talking about the head coaches, the, um, the new head coaches and uh, what that might mean for those teams and uh, players respectively. And also in conjunction with that, um, the offensive coordinators, in case there was any real material change there that we could expect uh, depending on those scenarios accordingly. So it's not really, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, is it going to change the way you look at things? Perhaps, but maybe it'll help remind you of who is who and who, who what head coach, offensive coordinator is where and uh, what their tendencies are and what that means for the current roster construction. So um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to hit the intro and we will see you on the other side. Finally, joining me on the podcast today, Simon Short. Simon, of course, everybody knows I've talked about you on the pod multiple times with different opinions you've given um, on our flagship football show and also um, hopping on the Simon Short pod multiple times. Of course, my pod being a little bit more niche, it's kind of difficult to squeeze guests in, but off season, best time to talk about anything football related, and we can, you know, put in uh, sprinkles of fantasy. So, welcome to the pod. Glad to have you on finally, and hopefully uh, again this summer sometime. So, it's exciting stuff. How are you doing? Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be on. Glad to talk some fantasy football. Don't get to do it too too often. Um, just gotta let everybody know here, though. Finally on the pod, I can finally say this: did win the Phantom Sports uh, Fantasy Football League this year. Just gotta, you know, I've been waiting for what? What is it now? June. I've been waiting for six months to say that on here. So, uh, I'm ready, man. Let's let's talk some fantasy. I'm excited. Uh, Thanks for having me. I feel bad because I get kind of threw in the towel on that league because <laughs> my two main leagues that are were fairly big money leagues just were wait and like i said also had a daughter in the middle of the season um we'll we'll see if we if we try to do that again in the middle of football season i will say i don't know how how these things you know you plan these things i suppose valentine's day most most babies get born in october so uh it's just what what can you do life life happens and it's great but 
yeah, we'll try to maybe coordinate that a little more effectively. Um, <laughs> knock on wood. Hope my wife doesn't hear me. Um, but anyway, yeah. So let's let's get into it. One of the things we wanted to talk about today that I really wanted to get into is some of these new systems that are getting implemented with these teams. So obviously, NFL, everybody's copying each other's playbooks and stuff, but. The sets seem to change, personnel, lineup. Of course, we know the main guys will be the main guys on their respective rosters, wherever they remained. But every situation gets kind of fluid as the coaching and leadership changes, especially at the head coaching front, offensive coordinator front, even if the head coach isn't as, uh, you know, integrated with the offense from a dirty fingernail standpoint, like some, like a Sean, a Sean Payton, you know, his, his fingerprints are going to be all over that Denver Broncos offense. He, I mean, we've heard his, we've heard his uh, commentary the past couple of years on, on TV. He's been chomping at the bit to get back on the sidelines. Uh, yep. I don't know what, what your thoughts are on, on Sean Payton there, but I feel like that's the most like, that's the big elephant in the room. Um, Sean Payton is back, and he's coaching. And uh, the Walmart family was like, "Yep, Sean Payton, you're our guy." Um, what are your thoughts on that hire? I guess, and just everybody that he brought in with him. Uh, Joe Lombardi experience with him. Yep. Um, I'm not sure if Vance Joseph got his start with him, but um, I wouldn't be surprised either. So um, I just. Uh, I just think that this could be a really interesting offense if Russell Wilson is uh, is a vestige of what he was in Seattle for, for from that standpoint. Uh, what are your thoughts on Denver? I just want to figure start there because they're that's the biggest like glaring like whoa to me at least. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really interesting, right? Uh, we go from Nate Hackett who walked in with no plan to last year's Denver Broncos offense to Sean Payton who's had up everything planned basically from a football aspect um every single day every single moment uh for year round forever right and you said it he's he's had this year plus off where he's just been waiting right and that itch never goes away so you know he has some crazy stuff planned um the dichotomy between him and joe lombardi is really funny we've seen lombardi in la for the last few years just running the most stagnant boring offense you could possibly come up with so the difference between those guys is going to be really fun but I don't think Sean Payton's going to let Lombardi get in his way so I think it's going to be a fun offense um Javante Williams has started doing some reps in OTAs but in a limited fashion but I think Sean Payton's really excited to to get him going so I think from a you know, looking at who you should draft from this offense standpoint, I think Javante Williams, you know, obviously monitor how, you know, his reps in training camp go and preseason and stuff like that before you draft him, but, um, or at least before you decide what round you want to go in. But I think everyone's going to get a little bit of an uptick, right? So I think everyone is going to be a lot lower on boards than they were last year at this time, right? Last year, people were going crazy over this offense. And now I think everyone's going to be able to kind of buy low. Um, I think Russell Wilson is an interesting option if you're in a two-quarterback league. I think any of these wide receivers could be interesting flyers. But there's a lot of guys there. It's going to be a glut at the wide receiver position. And because it's a new coach, a new system, we don't really know for sure who's going to get the you know lion's share of the targets, who's going to be the best fit for this new offense. Um, but I will say, co- coming out of the first two weeks of OTAs here, 
uh, Greg Dulcich is getting a lot of buzz. And we know Sean Payton loves his tight ends. We know that Russell Wilson does well with tight ends as well. Um, give him the big targets. Give him someone in the red zone. Greg Dulcich getting a lot, a lot of buzz here from the first two weeks of OTA. So that's a guy in a barren tight end wasteland of fantasy football that could be interesting for for a lot of uh managers they got a lot of tight ends on the roster right now though they're gonna have to i mean shoot does albert O even like i don't i don't, I, I don't, I don't even think want that's him, a factor i don't know if i even I want think... him on the roster honestly like i'm i don't think i don't think that's a factor dulcich um in the 10 games he played last season, played like 75% of snaps. I don't know yeah. what his routes were, um, but I, I think he's the guy. I, I could go and find all of their tight end snap counts, but I think he's the guy. There's a lot of dudes there, but he's the one that's just like – and again, it's OTAs, right? It, it's the first week of June. We hear a lot of stuff that doesn't hold true, but as of right now, he's getting a lot of buzz. What do you think? So I love Jerry Judy. Probably one of my favorites if he's available. I've seen him available in Dynasty Leagues. I do like him in Redraft as well. I just think with um, Sean Payton's pre-snap movement and everything that he likes to do in his offenses will be extremely um, influential. Um, Jerry Judy could be a very strong influence in the offense. I'm, I am... Uh, I actually got rid of Russell Wilson in my dynasty league. I let, I let him go for cheap too. I was just I just mm. didn't want to be in the Russell Wilson business anymore. Um, after seeing that, it it's it's more so just because from a dynasty. If I'm in two quarterback, I agree. Um, but it, or super flex for that matter. Right. I don't want him though in a one quarterback league. I think that the liability is there that. Um, he's he might get limited some games. And one guy who I really love on this roster, and I really hope that he's he. If so, every year you know how we get kind of that veteran player that kind of resurfaces, kind of out of the woodworks and just blows up. I think that could be Samaji Pirine. Javon mm-hmm. and Javante Williams yep. is still up in the air. He look from the videos we've seen from camp, he's looked pretty good, but. Samaji Pirine has every ounce of ability to be that kind of snap gobbler or that touchdown, that goal line gobbler that Jamal mm-hmm. Williams was or Cordell Patterson was two years ago or even James White if going back to 2019. I think that, that he might be set up for the best situation to do that. I don't know what your thoughts are on Pirine, but I was always impressed with him when he filled in for Joe Mixon. You could always he was yeah. rely he was reliable. P. Ryan is an excellent pass catcher. He's an excellent, he's a pretty good blocker for his size. He is a great option out of the backfield in tight spaces. So I'm thinking about that Bengals offense when they got into the red zone and things get tight and it's hard to operate in that way, which is why we see tight ends and big jump ball receivers usually are, are the ones optimized down there. P. Ryan gets himself open. He he figures out a way to kind of skate through those big bodies and get open. So we'll have to see. We've seen Sean Payton operate in, in two different ways in the red zone, right? Ground and pound or kind of in that shotgun type offense. We'll have a good feeling of that, I think, pretty early on, probably in preseason, if not, you know, week one, week two. But I think if you're going to draft Javante Williams, you should be probably handcuffing with P. Ryan anyways, because I think P. Ryan's going to have some value with Williams um 
but I especially think if Williams suffers another injury or he's not picking up the paint and playbook fast enough or he they want to you know be careful with him and, and let P Ryan be the third down back consistently um and then eventually I think if it came down to it he would have value as a starter as well so I think you you should be handcuffing P Ryan to Williams probably it depends on where Williams ends up going by the time you know redraft leagues are, are doing their drafts and stuff like that but but I'm into P Ryan I, I like that P Ryan very much could be I'm not putting the cart before the horse but he's just kind of he's sticky he hasn't like he's older but he hasn't like given you a reason to be like like no thank you like kind of similar to Austin Eckler a little bit except he hasn't gotten that opportunity to be the the main guy in the backfield I don't know if he's that kind of runner um he's my gosh he's built like a brick you know what he's huge 511 240 I just I've never seen him in that way as a runner not okay maybe not as a runner but just as from an availability standpoint you know what i mean like eventually it just came to the point where eckler was the only guy standing and it's like well shoot we'd be stupid not to at least try i feel like p ryan might get that same nod unless his body type just isn't what nfl coaches are looking for in a running back but i feel like from a pass blocking standpoint he's he's ideal and they gave him a like real contract too, right? I, I mean, uh, and, and I can check spot I'm, check. I'm quick going. Here. I'm on over the cap now. Oh, not really. I mean, a two year deal, but for for just over four million. Um, I was kind of surprised he left Cincinnati million. because with the whole Mixon thing being up in the air as much as it was. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because it's like if they were going to give him a real shot, they would have already done that, and they just weren't right. going to do that with Mixon still there so i i understand why he why he left ultimately but yeah i i I think this is kind of a prove it year for him i think he won i think he needed a fresh um a fresh you know place to be so to speak just some somewhere new so he could prove it to himself probably um i know that you know Peyton likes doing one-two punches, so it's they, mm-hmm. they could Williams Williams healthy, P Ryan healthy, they could cancel each other out too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because yep. Peyton loves to get the ball to a lot of different players. Um, rare, yep. I mean, seldom you see a guy really dominate. Like, yeah, you had the Michael Thomases, you had the Jimmy Grams for for a bit there, but it, a year or two, it, the Marcus it, Colston, if yep. you want to reach way back. <laughs> wow, really throwback for sure. But <laughs> no, yeah, it's. It's just one of those things like, yeah, you can like you can eat in Peyton's offense, but the ball also could get really diversified in terms of the targets. So to really pinpoint one guy, it's like I would I agree with you. Like there's a lot of buy low opportunities here. Um, And that's where it's like I love Dulcich um, if, you know, the top tight ends aren't available, um, which they usually aren't if you're if you're fishing in those barrels and then because it's the one now. yeah in yeah. that yeah if if, <laughs> if williams comes out healthy that's yeah i would i would be all over that and same with like you said handcuff p ryan then jerry judy and then i do like marvin mims uh but i don't know what his outcome or production is going to be like and then i'm staying away from tim patrick and Cortland sutton until I see some actual production on the field because I way overrated Cortland Sutton last year because he was getting paired with Russell Wilson and he just did the same thing over and over again. Cortland Sutton is 
uh, he has really great wide receiver name, but n- not the wide receiver production you want. And that's that's hard because he has the body type too. He runs around open, just can't pull mm-hmm. in the big one. Yeah, uh, I on the Phantom Football podcast, uh, this was a big thing for me was that those wide receivers and, and yeah they're talented but they haven't shown enough yet i think from a from a fantasy standpoint and from just a general football nfl standpoint um but i do think it makes it because everyone was so high on them last year and they so underperformed i do think it is an interesting buy low opportunity for some of those guys tim patrick i'm with you the year right after the the knee injury you probably want to stay away from that might be a like week seven flex flyer pickup sort of deal and you see if he sticks um i i mean i don't i don't know if he's going in in drafts or or mocks right now or anything like that but i can't imagine with that glut of a wide receiver room um plus coming off the injury that that he's one you really have to worry about nabbing early but yeah all those guys basically just don't don't over invest let them come to you uh williams if you know monitor to the health Dulcich, if you need a tight end and you're you're looking at a guy that your buddies don't really know who it is that that that's a that's a solid one yeah um unfortunately in my leagues everybody knows who he is but i (laughs) i would agree with that sentiment if you're if you're playing with if you're playing with those types of football iqs take advantage of it so um i I've, i've seen some drafts from people at work and i'm like you've got to be joking me right now like so um all fun and games though um in this division the one other really big change was kellen moore um Mm -hmm. got uh you know mike mccarthy wanted his play calling back and so with that kellen moore um gosh not as young as he used to be anymore i'd say he's pretty He's pretty seasoned now. He, he used Working to be like, Jones, wasn't he what, the youngest you. coordinator for a while? I'm sure, yeah. yeah. If not, he, had, he at least had the best skin. Yeah, he's not, I don't think he's the youngest anymore. Um, going on a second team. So clearly, um, coaches like him, which is, uh, that's that's a good sign generally. So he's not a complete like, I wouldn't. He was never a failure. I just don't know if him and McCarthy necessarily work worked it out because you know he was from the previous regime, and then McCarthy came in and was like, "Well, he's this new hotshot. Have to kind of keep him around because I don't. You you never know. You don't know what you don't know until you know." And so, what do we see that Kellen Moore offers to Brandon Staley? This is clearly a shift in direction. Um, I'm assuming that we're going to see a lot more passes, right? I think it's, it's, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I could look it up how much Herbert was actually throwing the ball last year. Cause I don't even think it was just that, but it's the structure of how they're doing. Yeah. He, Herbert actually had a career high 699 pass attempts last year, but it's the structure of the offense. You know, the Joe Lombardi's offense last year was like the very, it was like the 1985 version of the West Coast offense where it's a, a dig and a, a curl and a flat. And like, that's the entire offense. A lot of two tight ends. Not a lot of yak too, opportunity. Right? Um, yeah. And I, I think, I don't know for sure, because other than Gerald Everett, their tight ends uh, were, were not very good. And so that really did not work out at all. 
Um, they did a well, lot not of for, not for personnel. not for the Chargers for Dallas. Sorry, that's what I meant. Oh, looking at Dallas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Schultz and Ferguson yes. that were out there together all the time. And Pendershot, and they went back, and they they're, they're going to have Schoonmaker there, yep. who they drafted in the second round. So they wanted to go very heavy tight end. They want to run the ball. Mike McCarthy basically jettisoned Kellen Moore because he wants to run a 1985 West Coast <laughs> offense, and he wants to run the ball with his running back that you know broke his foot like four months ago. But I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll work out. Just they're fine. saying though on the right? Athletic Football Show a couple of weeks ago that. This is kind of this might be a move for McCarthy to kind of go back to and, and now we're talking about Dallas. Mike McCarthy going back to how he really got his his start in the NFL with the 49ers as a play caller and just kind of going back to those tendencies that he's kind of he definitely lost touch with them during his time with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rod. So what happened there? I firmly believe Aaron Rodgers was so good at the basics in that offense that McCarthy just decided not to implement the rest of whatever he had done in San Francisco because he didn't have to. So I do think McCarthy got a little lazy there in terms of developing that offense, and so maybe this is his second shot at like okay, like I'm actually going to develop this offense like it's supposed to be developed and not just trust that i have a hall of famer at that at the top flight position who's going to overcompensate for any inefficiencies that my front office has kind of put in front of us like he's actually i think he might be trying to develop but um we can talk about that with dallas later um because it's just schottenheimer back there for mccarthy um but yeah kellen moore i i think that this is good for the receivers in in LA especially um I don't know how this I don't know how this translates though for Eckler because I just don't think that Kellen Moore had a back like Eckler if that makes sense so I it'll be interesting to see how Kellen Moore adjusts to the personnel that he has and there's gonna I think there's gonna be somebody that comes out of that offense that we're not necessarily expecting to because it's Kellen Moore running the show, um, and and not uh, and not Joe Lombardi, um, who started with Herbert. So I guess that that's my take with it. I don't know if you have any final thoughts or or, or saying on that. Yeah, I mean, I think Eckler's going to be fine. Um, we we saw Kellen Moore succeed with two different types of backs in uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Both guys were uh, they combined for over eighteen hundred yards and twenty one TDs last year. Both guys have been effective under Moore to varying degrees as the years went along, kind of going in different directions, uh, ships passing in the night, if you will. Um, but I think I think Eckler is going to be just fine. I'm not I'm not worried about that. I think he has just as much value as he's ever had, um, especially if you know he's only going to be there for another year or two. Or you know might just go ahead. You know you talked about how much he's on the field. Might just go ahead and run him into the ground at this point and kind of let it go. Uh, one guy I'm excited about for the Chargers, excited might be a strong word, but Jalen Guyton. He was the guy that we, you know, all last offseason talked about, okay, this is their field stretcher. He's going to take off. He's going to do this. And he got hurt in the offseason. Um, and all year long in 22-23 for the Chargers, we were sitting there like, man, they need someone to stretch the field. Well, he's supposed to be back. I, I haven't been looking uh, at his name specifically in the OTA updates and stuff, but 
if he's healthy, he's that guy that's going to go deep. I know they drafted Quentin Johnston, and I know he has said he did an interview with uh, Matthew Barry recently where he was like, yeah, I can be that field stretcher. I can be the guy that takes the top off. But that's not his strongest attribute at all. I mean, he he's uh, underneath, you know, yak monster, which I think definitely has value and, and has its place with Kellen Moore. But he's not going to take the top off. But again, from a fantasy perspective, what does that get you, right? A Jalen Guyton deep play thread, a boom bust flex option, you know. But I think in terms of opening up the offense for those other guys to have an easier time getting open, honestly, I think from a fantasy perspective, Kellen Moore just elevates everybody. I think Herbert gets back into form, more consistent, and, and obviously the the big thing here with with everybody is just that they stay healthy. That was their biggest issue last year. All those guys got hurt a bunch. So if those guys stay healthy, I say I I'd expect everyone to maybe have like a what five to ten percent tick for in in terms of fantasy value. Uh, I, I I think it's just good good vibes for everybody. I do wonder um, what that's going to be like having Quinton Johnston and Mike Williams because they're so. They're kind of, I don't want to say interchangeable because you can't take away Mike Williams' experience. Um, but my question, it, Mike, it took Mike Williams a bit to really become who he has become. Like initially, his first couple of years in the league, he was, he wasn't really, a, he wasn't really, a, I don't know, a, what do you call it, like a world beater at the receiver position until about two years ago so and that might be just like i mean like you look at Devonte adams like his first two three years it's not like he was anything to write home about either until like year four so i guess it's just a matter of receivers and that comfortability with the quarterback and everything like that so um yeah and who knows like keenan allen decides to be <laughs> you know the keenan allen we we we've come to appreciate every other year that could also be snap color and also uh Jalen Guyton will be interesting because I do think that that means Josh Palmer loses some of his stats snaps mm-hmm. that he was yep. getting um oftentimes you know Josh Palmer was out there quite a bit last year and a lot of times because of necessity he definitely bailed me out of some uh some pickles that I was in from a fantasy standpoint. So I was really appreciative of that. I actually have him in my dynasty roster. I really like Josh Palmer, but I don't know. I, I feel like he can get kind of lost in the sea of uh, receivers that they had. And, yeah. you know, last year, I, I don't know where DeAndre Carter went. I have to look at that. Do you know where DeAndre yeah, Carter went? Yeah, he's gone. I had it the other day because we talked about the we talked about the Chargers on the Phantom Football Podcast. He's on the Raiders. Oh geez. Okay. Well, that's so uh, you can just forget about him. Yeah. That. Yep. It's that's Devonte Adams' world. We're just living in it down there. So, okay. Did you know yeah. he's thirty? That's DeAndre Carter is thirty. When did he get in the NFL? Twenty-five-year-old rookie in twenty eighteen. Good stuff. Twenty-five-year-old right. DeAndre Carter update. Yeah. Well. Yep. Good. Kudos to him for for making it that long that doesn't happen very often um yeah i mean but he he, special teams so if if you're quality there like you can you'll have a career so um much like the coordinator yes yeah true all right let's see here so we don't really have to talk about the afc east um 
outside of well, I guess we can talk about the AFC East here because we got mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien in New England and Nathaniel Hackett in New York. Yep. I don't like the Jets. Are, I'm not. So you want to think that I'm salty about the Jets because of Aaron Rodgers? I'm really not. Um, I don't. I to be honest, it's just kind of. I'm just interested in what's going to happen there to be because it's mm-hmm. just such a and I've spoken with one of my main guests on the podcast Byron Coble it's like are Green Bay and the New York Jets could it be a more weirder like connection that our franchises have because it's now the second Hall of Fame quarterback in my lifetime that we've traded to them for a decent haul actually um I just wonder though how much this is going to impact the younger players on that roster like what happens to Brees Hall um I I think that Garrett Wilson benefits from this a little bit more than uh Brees Hall does and uh uh, Mm -hmm. and everybody else that's on that offense that those are the two that I often think about I just don't know what to expect I think that Brees Hall will actually do pretty well still because he's young enough and he He's he looks like he's similar to the Javante Williams situation. He looks like he's going to be good to go week one um, post injuries and everything. But I'm not sure how to evaluate the rest of the Jets because I don't know what Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb I'm getting. I Alan Lazard's going to play way too many snaps than he probably should, and that's. It's because it's because Aaron Rodgers never wanted to evolve. He always wanted the same weapons around him, um, and that's been one of the things that I think has led to where he is now today. So that's my that's my Aaron Rodgers talk, and I I promise to not talk about him the rest of the podcast. Um, for me and the Jets, you know, Brees Hall. I think from a from a football standpoint, I think he's going to be fine. Rodgers, you know. Uh, always had productive running backs in his offense with him. Um, My thing with Brees Hall will be the injury. He has started doing some working back stuff on the sideline, light individual work uh, at OTAs, but still the year after, that immediate year after an injury, there's just, there's some pickup that, that goes along with that. There's some getting back into it. So, you know, yeah, he's young, year two uh, in the NFL. He might be able to just jump right back in, so we'll see keep an eye on that but you know this was a guy Brees Hall was a guy that you know is he going to be you know in redrafts a borderline first round pick for for some deeper leagues right you know that and now I I wouldn't feel comfortable with that I wouldn't want to tie my horse to him coming back from the knee injury um but just from a Aaron Rodgers Nate Hackett coming in production standpoint I'm not too worried about Brees Hall Garrett Wilson like you said I think he's gonna be fine I think uptick I think borderline kind of wide receiver one you know top top 12 level play is what I'm expecting Randall Cobb I'm not worried about uh Alan Lazard is interesting because Corey Davis is still on this roster uh we expected Corey Davis to be traded or cut by now because he's basically the same player as Lazard and they have almost essentially the exact same contract Lazard Uh, might be a better blocker what's that Lazard I think is a better blocker interesting davis is a mean son of a gun blocking man for tennessee that that would be let's just get them both out there man Let, let's just i want to see them both in in like the a trip set oklahoma over there. drill put, both of them yeah. <laughs> they don't they won't um, do that receivers. 
it would be funny. But, you know, and I guess uh, Davis, I'd have to go back and look at all of his stats and stuff, but I guess he can be the Z and Lazard can be in the slot and Wilson, it, he, well, he's in the slot. So I, I don't know how you get all three of those guys on the field at the same time. Um, I forgot about point Hartman. Is other than, I'm not worried about Hartman. Uh, that <laughs> uh, if I have to choose between those four guys, he's the guy I'm kind of leaving off from a, from a football standpoint. You know that that's if I had to build my offense, he's my number four end around jet sweep motion kind of a rich man's gadgety kind of guy. I don't uh, think I don't think guys. his teammates liked him very much in Kansas City. Interesting. That's a fun wrinkle. There is, um, there is, there is some. So there is some touchdown videos, and he was the only one celebrating, and none of his teammates came. And I'm not trying to read too much into that, but it is kind of weird if you score a touchdown, and the rest of your teammates don't come down to the end zone to react to what just happened with you. But did they go to his birthday party? Right. <laughs> Anytime I can sneak a Bo Callahan reference, I know, reference I know, podcast, it's true, I'm, it's true. But it. no, but that's a huge, that's a huge dynamic to it, though, because like if Nicole Hardman was actually of value to that Kansas City roster, despite injury, they would have made the effort to bring him back. Yep, I mean, this is the team that let Tyreek Hill go and, and was fine with it, so Nicole Hardman was definitely not in the sweat. Um, no. I do wonder from a personality standpoint, maybe he's just this like weird guy. So maybe Rodgers will love him. Who knows? Mikal Hardman, wide receiver one. You never know. You never know. True. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the most tenured coach in the NFL, brought in Bill O'Brien to rehabilitate his uh, his NFL image. Uh, after, uh, after Bill O'Brien went to the Alabama school of uh, of just football rehab. He he graduated Nick Saban's. Uh, Nick, he graduated from Nick Saban's uh, rehab to um, go back to Bill Belichick's uh, rehab facility in Foxborough. Kind of a weird, uh, a weird just just a strange way of just recycling coaches. Those two do a great job of rehabbing images. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I don't think would not have done this if he's not eyeing for another head coaching opportunity as soon as it comes. I think we can both agree on that. I don't know what this means for this Patriots offense though, because a lot of times the coordinators have, there's nothing to do with them at all. Uh, It's just it's Bill Belichick's world. He's coaching the entire game, um, and rightfully so. But they do have the addition of Juju Smith-Schuster, so I guess that's kind of that. That's probably the most controversial signing I think I've seen uh, New England do since like I, I don't. Oh, Anthony or Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's probably the most like flamboyant signing they've they've done in a while, and from a social media standpoint. And, and we know how Bill Belichick. We know how online he is, so it, it makes it makes total sense. What, um, what you don't use the snap book? <laughs> you know, I think uh, I, I think. Um, let's see who who can we say probably bought that, and I had to get off. Um, Jeff Bezos, maybe Jeff Bezos bought that, became CEO, and he was posting too much. I had to. I got kicked off of there. Anyways, uh, to get to get back to football, Bill O'Brien. Here's the thing, you. You don't expect him to turn Mac Jones into a top 10 quarterback, Ramon J. Stevenson into the number one wide uh, running back in fantasy or, you know, Tyquan Thornton into a, a top 24 guy. 
But this was not a real NFL offense last year by any means. Matt Patricia was like texting coordinators in training camp on other teams about how to run this offense. They didn't have an offensive coordinator. They had a special teams and quarterback coach and Joe Judge. That was his, Those were his titles. And an offensive line coach and a special assistant in Matt Patricia. Those were those guys' titles last year, and they were tag-teaming the offense. Matt Patricia was cycling out his offensive line rotations and changing their scheme mid-game while also trying to call plays. Um, Now they're just going to competent. I mean, Bill O'Brien was a good OC. He's fine. You can totally create a viable NFL offense with him. Same thing with Mac Jones. Same thing with this roster. Um, Now that doesn't excite you from a fantasy perspective, but, you know, I think this means that Ramondre Stevenson working into running back one reps uh, with Damian Harris going to Buffalo. I, and the, the season Stevenson had last year and the fact that he stuck around after that rookie year that was up and down with Bill Belichick, right? How many times have we seen a guy have a year like that with Bill and we never hear from them again or they resurface on another team in three years? They like Stevenson for some reason, so I'm expecting big things there. Tyquan Thornton, you read the OTA updates. He's the, like, number one receiver that keeps getting brought up um i love tyquan you know, thornton Kendrick, for the record Kendrick last Horn. year i wish yeah. he would have i wish i just he was just too volatile and it's he was a rookie yeah. receiver coming so, back from the injury yeah. and, and all of that so i think there's some viable fantasy players here um i i know mike Gesicki's getting a lot of buzz right they're going back to the 12 personnel from the good old days and I just don't know if he's going to stick around because of the blocking deficiencies. Um, it's funny when they signed these guys, I was, you know, before they explicitly said they wanted to do this 12 personnel, I was like, well, you know what? Juju is uh, not your average blocking wide receiver. He's a very, very good one. And Kasiki is a very below average blocking tight end. You just flip those guys' roles and you're in good shape. But if they're going to try and line up Kasiki as a, as a inline tight end to run 12 personnel, it's not going to last long. So he's not going to be a factor for your fantasy team if he's not playing. Um, so that'll be interesting to monitor how flexible they are with him in his role. Um, but Stevenson, I think, is a good play because I think this is just going to be a, a real offense this year. Um, and so I think if you have a running back in the line share of the carries, you know, keep keep track of that in training camp, what's happening. Um, but he's a guy that can do a lot of things that I think people should be excited for. And again, you know, Mac Jones... If you're in a, a deep league, two-quarterback league, something like that, I don't think it's going to be the dumpster fire that it was last year, really for anybody in this offense. At the fringes, I like Hunter Henry. Um, mm-hmm. Not as necessarily so on Gasicki because if he's not – I mean, like, they had no problem not uh, – oh, shoot. Who is the tight end that just left them that they traded Johnny. for Johnny. from Tennessee – John Smith. Yeah, they they they, to Atlanta. they yep. underutilized him so bad, and yep. I think well, shoot, like for the running stuff, I'd just rather just put First Girl out there who they brought in. But it's it's right they brought in First Girl, and then John went to uh went to Atlanta. That's funny. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I just Hunter Henry if you have to at tight end, but I'm not like it's definitely a waiver move. Um, if I had to for anything, any tight end, nothing. Um, yeah, I think from a dynasty standpoint, Tyquan Thornton is a decent dart throw. Juju Smith Schuster potentially redraft value. Um, I just don't know 
too much else that I'm stoked about on this offense outside of Ramondre uh, because of right. his his three down potential and uh, the th- this this Ross this group behind him is a very it's a very mixed bag of nuts and bolts. Uh, Ty Ty Montgomery, the the perfect Bill Belichick player, mm. wide receiver who can't figure out if he's a running back or anything. Uh, he has been getting a lot of um, work as a potential third down back. So I, I forgot to mention that with Stevenson. Um, that could be limiting Stevenson's upside. Could, I think you're yeah. still fine to, to roll with Stevenson, but Ty Montgomery seems like he's fast-tracking his place into being the third down back. He's such a Bill Belichick guy. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, he just, he was such a weird situation in Green Bay when he got here as a rookie. It just, like, it didn't make sense. And, yeah, sure enough, he walked. And, I mean, at least he's been able to make a career out of it. But nothing too, uh, nothing too, shock, nothing too shocking. So, um, I'd talk about the Texans, but I'd not too much to talk about there. Um, if for a dynasty standpoint, there's a lot of good dart throws there. Um, I love Devin Singletary. That's about it. Um, I think that Devin Singletary is going to be needed more than uh, the Texans want to admit. Um, Devin Singletary was needed more than Buffalo wanted to admit. Um, so it just kind of comes with the territory. Sometimes when you're that guy, you can you you can be a safety blanket for a lot of teams in a lot of unique ways. Outside of that. I'm not really holding my breath on what the Texans can do until I see it actually happen out on the field for a couple of weeks. Damian Pierce, perhaps, but even he's up in the air with Snap Gobbler Singletary mm-hmm. <laughs> right breathing down his neck, right? Basically, I mean, he didn't, he didn't go down there to to sit. Yeah, I I'm a little more secure in Damian Pierce uh, than, than I think you are. So that'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Um, his injury at the end of the year wasn't quite as bad as you know a Brees Hall or Javante Williams, especially. Uh, it sounds like he could have even kept playing if they essentially you know weren't tanking. The team decided to put him on IR. He said. Um, so I, I'm pretty secure in, in going with Damian Pierce, but I think you're right. Just the fact that there is both of them kind of kind of hurts that value. Um, for what it's worth, Tank Dell is getting a lot of buzz out of OTAs, but you know, rookie receivers, it's always such small. a shoot with those guys, and he's small and just you know this offense. We we haven't seen it yet. Bobby Sloa coming, you know, we mentioned him earlier. I think before we started recording, but coming from San Francisco, um, they're it's running good this. Pass game I, I do love this. Yep, I do love this full circle moment. Uh, Bobby Slowick is bringing the Shanahan offense from San Francisco, where he developed it in or, or added to it in Houston from Gary Kubiak, who was in Denver with Mike Shanahan, who started this from Bill Walsh in San Francisco. So San Fran to Houston to San Fran to Houston again is where this offense is going. Um, and clearly just getting better as, as everything goes along. But uh, And one other guy, Dalton Schultz. Um, you know, we, we talked about the barren wasteland that is the tight end position. Dalton Schultz is a guy that uh, I don't have oh, it in front of right. me, but has been a consistent, like, above average, like, oh, wow, if you actually, if he's healthy, you can actually draft him and start him. Even last year, first half of the year, 
after he was coming off of his injury and he had a really slow first half of the season um by the end of the year i think was still like a top what 10 tight end somewhere um despite the horrid first half of the year so that's just kind of it probably says more about the tight end position in fantasy these days um but schultz underwhelming wide receivers on this roster the rookie quarterback who we think is going to be effective and play well probably that means the tight end is probably a pretty good option so if you need another tight end um Dalton Schultz probably isn't a bad way to go agreed and then also in this lovely AF South division the uh, uh I, I like Shane Steichen um I do think that mm-hmm. his I'm interested to see what his his take on what they did last year in Philadelphia looks like and how much of that was him versus how much of that was Sirianni versus how much of that was just planning well to their personnel um I think that Anthony Richardson can do some of the things that Jalen Hurts can do from the rushing side passing side I'm not super confident um just from watching some of his film um, but I'd be lying if I said he's an athletic freak that should be feared by anybody that has to come in contact with him this year because um, he's going to look good because there's there's the unknown wild card variable that rookie quarterbacks get the benefit of the doubt from uh, starting out. Yeah, I mean, so... And we should say to this point, Gardner Minshew, I think, has taken like all of the first team reps. This is still very much he he is the QB one in the building right now. That said, boy, if Anthony Richardson uh, becomes day one starter, I mean, if you're in redraft and, and uh, easy, you, you wait until the end of training camp and he gets named the starter, man, that might be the the rookie to go with. That might be the guy because that rushing upside is there, and I think. We're going to see maybe 80% of the Eagles' offense. And Steichen, it was Sirianni's offense, but Steichen was the play caller last year when it all really kind of took off mm-hmm. and elevated. Um, I feel I've been feeling more confident in Richardson as a passer since, I don't know, Combine. December, January, when, when we really dug into stuff. Yeah. And just, I, I'm in, man. I'm in on Richardson. So whenever he becomes a starter, I mean, honestly, even if he doesn't start the year as a starter, if I can pick him up with the last pick in a draft, especially because my my main league is it is a two quarterback league, um, that's a guy that's a guy I want to have because that rushing upside alone is going to go. I mean, we saw what Justin Fields did last year, right? How many leagues did he win or playoffs did he you know get teams into just with his rushing, right? So I think all of that is there for for this team and this player. Um, I love the weapons uh, on on this team as well that he is going to have. I mean, if you're worried about having an inaccurate quarterback, go get two big boys on the outside, right? And Alec Pierce and, and Michael Pittman Jr. Yep. Um, Pierce especially as a jump ball guy. And, and Josh Downs is a guy that we liked uh, coming out of the slot. I, and if Jonathan Taylor can be healthy, it's a good group around him. It's a good group around him. So I think if you can get Richardson, it can really unlock this offense. Um, and then it's just kind of a trickle down from there. If if Gardner Minshew does get the nod for the whole year, I think that is best case scenario because I think that he has a lot of developing that needs to happen. Um, and I, w- I that's what I always said with the people that I've had on the podcast since realizing that he was 
a first overall dynasty pick, I would have picked him. If I had a first overall dynasty pick, I would have had a real hard time deciding between Richardson and Bijan Robinson. I know that people Mm. are like, oh, but Bijan, Bijan. I'm like, but Anthony Richardson has potentially a lot longer of a shelf life being a quarterback than B. John Robinson does at running back because of just you look at the life cycles of each position group um, yep. in terms of NFL career standpoint. So um, it it could be very interesting and uh, at a level that we haven't seen probably since Cam Newton, maybe even more mm-hmm. so because he's younger, um, doesn't have all the baggage that Cam had um, in terms of just – and I mean Cam – was very good when he when cam was good he was great like people forget what early career cam was man it's insane it's it's, yeah like this the super bowl year holy smokes he won fantasy leagues like no brainer like that was an insane year when they lost to um manning in the super bowl but um yeah it just just you wonder some of these guys that have this rushing ability how long does it last and sometimes i mean the answer is not not long enough uh, i don't know what the right answer is it's just clearly not something that is a recipe for longevity but regardless of that we're we're gonna still we're gonna still kick it um those quarterbacks in fantasy football are going to be valuable from a fantasy standpoint maybe not in the long term but can they win you a league absolutely so yep yeah that's just i do like the um i wasn't a big josh downs fan but Mm -hmm. if i was able to get him for the right value i was and i was able to he fell to me in the third round of a dynasty draft a rookie draft and i was like yes this is the value i'd be looking for i thought he was a little overrated by the people um just because knowing the offense that he came from is going to be the same offense that the Badgers are going to run this year, and it just doesn't translate well to the NFL. So that was my mm-hmm. skepticism with Josh Downs, mm-hmm. but I think he's okay. in a good situation where he, where he could, uh, where he could flourish. Um, got a good head on his shoulders. Only twenty one. I, I look at the age of a lot of these rookies in terms of like, are they going to have time to develop? And if the answer is yes. I, I like the potential. I don't know if you look at that at all, but that's something that I, I look pretty extensively at, which is why I'm not as down on Brees Hall with his injury because he was only 20 when right. he came into the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a huge factor, and especially, you know, little stuff that you don't even really think about. Like, if Richardson is QB1, right, which wide receiver do you think Richardson has been getting his work in with? Downs. Which one do you think he's hanging out with, right? Downs. It's Downs. It, 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 you know, Pierce is only a couple of years older than those guys, but, I mean, still. And, you know, th- these guys are in the same rookie class. They're the same age. They probably know the same guys from, you know, playing, uh, you know, and I don't know where these guys all grew up and everything like that, but just going to camps. It, it's a small world. And, and when you're, stuff, when you're they, at that high of the pyramid, it's a small world. So, yeah. And they were at rookie mini camp together, and they probably, whether they're uh, – in I, not every team does this anymore like the Steelers, but, you know, Dorman together, training camp, stuff like that. Just like – so when Richardson does get out there, right, and if Minshew is running with the ones, right, if Minshew's out there running with Pittman and Pierce, Richardson's running the twos with downs probably. So, you know, that's the guy he's going to develop a chemistry with. So um, that's another factor when it comes to the age. What, what age is the quarterback, and are those guys hanging out? 
Um, yeah, because he's 21, so, I mean, shoot, he looks like he's older than me, even, so, <laughs> it's just insane, so, okay, um, Tennessee, what, do you know anything about Tim Kelly? Yep, yep, so, Tim Kelly it was the passing game coordinator last year, I forget where he came from specifically before that, basically, Houston. Tempo. Man, just Houston, just this, just this beautiful coaching tree that we get from Houston. <laughs> bustling, all, this, all this history metropolis of rich of success that end up as and, head coaches and coordinators. That is, that is Houston. Um, one thing I did like about what I'm seeing and reading from their OTA updates is the speed in which they want to run their offense, how quick they want to get into things, how how quickly they want to move around and and do stuff because that unlocks Traylon Burks who is going to be a huge beneficiary of quick game, making quick decisions, getting the ball quickly. They've streamlined this offense. They've you know pared down a lot of the extra stuff that was unnecessary, and it's going to be a lot of snap the ball and go. Get the ball in Burke's hands and go. Um, he's still very clearly the most talented receiver, uh, most talented pass catcher despite the year he had last year. He also came into last year's you know offseason out of shape, con- poorly conditioned. The asthma was a problem. None of that this time around. Every And, like, this isn't, you know, I always look for the, like, blowing smoke, right? Like, what's just OTA talk? But when there was no hesitation last year and coaches and teammates being like, yeah, Burks is out of shape. Bro, he's struggling with the wind. His asthma is kicking his butt a little bit. And then this year to turn around and say, it is nothing like last year. This guy is in shape, ready to go. And, you know, we talk about the age. We talked about the plus side with it just a minute ago. There is a downside. You just aren't. You don't always know. You don't always know what to expect. So, year two, um, I'm expecting a second year jump. Yeah, defenses are going to kind of be able to hone in on him. But guess what? They're probably still going to be honing in on King Henry. Um, I think Burks is is a is a fun upside play this year because of that yak opportunity. And you know, if they get creative with him, you know, all all the better. But I think. We're going to see quick screens. I think we're going to see, you know, drag routes, crossers, just like quick, fast stuff where this guy's going to get on the hoof and go. And you know what? They can key in on Burks because then Chega Conquo can just wreak havoc also. I think he's yeah. one of the sleeper tight ends in this in yep. this group this year. I do like him a lot. Um, him and Bellinger are two of my favorites just because – as rookies, they weren't necessarily getting all of the routes, but the snap percentage on those guys was so high. They were clearly depended on, at least in the offense, and now it's just time to introduce those tight end wrinkles. I don't know what that's going to look like for Chig because it's a new offensive system, um, but if I, have a, if I have a coordinator that's been putting a rookie tight end out there for a lot of snaps, even if it's just to block, Look for that maturation in the offense to occur where the tight end gets more of those route running opportunities. So I hope that um I think Chig might actually be the best wide receiver. Um we'll see what we'll see what Burks looks like. I I you know, it's only the the year one to year two jump is usually pretty pretty good for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um but um yeah, we we don't know until until we see the pads on, until we see the games played. So, um, all right, let's go let's go into your division here. Um, honestly, the only person to really talk about is Todd Munkin, right? 
because you yep. guys, mm-hmm. I don't know why you guys keep Matt Canada around. And I'll keep, <laughs> let's not get into I'll it. Keep, Let's you know, not I'll get keep into it. I'll keep busting you about that because Canada has a long history with, uh, with the Badgers. So I know a lot about Matt Canada and, uh, I followed his career, follow, you know, his year at Maryland. And then he went on a, a couple year consultation vacation or whatever you want to call it. And then, uh, Tomlin calls them and is like, yeah, hey, might as well. Pittsburgh sounds great, even though I'm living on the beach. Um, but yeah, okay. So Todd Munkin is uh, coming out of Georgia. Obviously, his offenses were a thing to marvel at, as Georgia is just this college football enigma right now that it just seems to be producing the next generation of NFL stars um, on both sides of the line, it seems like. Todd Munkin, though, what he can do to what can he bring from his time at Georgia into the NFL? What can he do for Lamar Jackson? Um, That's going to be interesting because Greg Roman is an acquired taste. I feel like for anybody, honestly, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was really cool. Mark Andrews and all the tight ends, no matter who the tight end was, they were going to get production in some capacity, but I feel like it's refreshing potentially to see a normal offense. I'm sure Harbaugh's yeah. stoked about it in some way, shape, or form. Interesting. So crazy, it just might work. Um, the the funny thing is, right, the Tom Monken, he's just so multiple. He can do different things because he's done multiple different things. Greg Roman does the one thing. He does it well, but the NFL level is going to figure it out at some point. That's what's happened in Baltimore the last few years. You can only um, send a tight end Monken, deep so many times. Like Honestly, they're going to catch right. on eventually like mark andrews an incredible athlete which is why i think they were able to get away with it for as long as they did but eventually you need somebody who can take at the top off a defense which they just haven't had and i I don't they just they or or they haven't even tried right and they did that this year by first round pick zay flowers and and, you know we've kind of we've been talking about it rookie wide receivers it's hit and miss but similar to the chargers and guyton just like you need a guy to stretch the field and be a threat first and then you work on everything else Monken's gonna be interesting I think because you know the stuff he was doing most recently at Georgia did involve a lot of tight ends right that was a big part of this offense so Baltimore can keep some of that stuff but he also gives them the ability to open up and do other things now with Baltimore as always it's going to come down to health of guys because you know uh, Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't started participating in OTAs yet neither has J.K. Dobbins neither has Rashad Bateman um, so they're still going to have that as a big factor, I think. Uh, but Lamar is there. He's work, he's he's going through team drills. He's going through seven on sevens, eleven on elevens, figuring out this new offense. Um, it sounds like it's kind of hit and miss, but it that makes sense because you don't have your best receivers out there, anyways. I think even Mark Andrews didn't come in until a couple days into OTAs. Same with Lamar. So um, they're they're figuring this stuff out. But I think we're just going. I think Lamar is going to be the biggest beneficiary. Um, both from a, a, a NFL standpoint and a fantasy standpoint, just because he's going to have so many things at his disposal. Him running, him handing the ball off, him checking it down, him going deep over the middle, everything. Um, I think we're going to be able to see him as a passer as well as a runner. I think that's going to be huge. I think Mark Andrews is still going to be Mark Andrews, you know, a top three, four tight end, depending on how many times he drops a ball that's right in his hands. Um, I think... I do think the receivers, though, are going to kind of 
get in each other's way a little bit. And it's just about how who can stay healthy and really become, you know, a go-to target. Devin DuVernay is still taking first-team reps right now because of all the injuries, um, which is tough. So from a receiver standpoint, you know, there, maybe there is one guy, right? If the right guy gets healthy at the right time and can stay healthy and becomes a consistent play, you know, maybe there, there might be some upside there. It's Bateman. But at this point, Bateman's the only I right think, answer. And coming off the foot injury, you're just like, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. Again, that's the guy that could do it if he was healthy, but you just don't know if he will. Um, so I think I think this helps probably more from a a, a Sunday on the field, on the grass standpoint, more than the fantasy standpoint. But I think this does help Lamar a, a great deal. So I think this kind of puts him back into that tier of, of quarterbacks that you're like, man, dynamic running and potentially dynamic passing. Um, and that's that's a league winner. J.K. Dobbins, multiple years now off of the injury too. You got to imagine that he's stoked to probably be able to run on both legs instead of just one. Like you could clearly tell he was running on just one leg. Yep a lot of t- like after it, it would it would be like after like a couple of snaps and then all of a sudden it was like i don't know how he's still on his feet but he was figuring out a way to move despite his situation so you got to anticipate if he can somehow get to what he what we saw him capable of doing in college he's never going to be fully the same but he's got to at least still have some of that in the tank somewhere i'm sure he's chomping at the bit to at least see you know what am I capable of? Because he just hasn't had that opportunity since he's been in the league to really, you know, let loose and just just try in general. Yep. Sometimes just being able to get out there and just confidently move without having to, like, worry about those types of things getting re-aggravated is huge. And uh, I think a lot of that had to do with their strength and conditioning situation. Because I don't know, did you see that where the players released Clean the house. thing and then all yep. of a sudden... Baltimore fired their strength and conditioning coach a week before the list was released. And uh, Mm -hmm. you got to wonder sometimes if those, how much those things factor into a lot of this. And uh, yeah, essentially we did the AFC and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to plead that you come back next week to do the NFC. If that's not too much trouble, Um, we'll talk about it off the record here, but yeah, I appreciate you hopping on and uh, we, we can uh, we can break down the changes that occurred in the NFC from a fantasy football standpoint next week. There's there's quite a few, uh, more so on the coordinator side, but still enough to talk about. And then we can just kind of shoot about whatever else in, in the next episode. So I think breaking this up into two will will give a good uh, will give a good break and make for easier listening. So. But yeah, Simon, thanks for thanks for coming on. Check out Simon. You can follow him on Twitter. Him and I are usually tweeting at each other in some way, shape, or form for something. Um, also, listen to him on the Phantom Football Podcast and the Simon Short Podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, Simon, thanks for hop. Yep. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it.